Welcome to Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcast. WBME Broadcasting Beyond Media East, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This week, catch player news, the minor league report, and a week in review of the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, now, your host, Chris Smith. Welcome to Phillies Weekly, week number six, August 5th through 10th. Can you believe it's halfway through August already? Can you believe the summer is almost gone? Where has it gone? And the Major League Baseball season is starting to come to a close here. And what a postseason it's going to shape up to be, hopefully, especially for the Phils. A um, couple good games out there in Los Angeles this week against the Dodgers, and uh, we'll see if we can keep it going. It's kind of a, a kind of a condensed podcast this week. I'm heading out of town for a couple days for a little vacation here, so we'll do our best to, to get things across to you pretty quickly tonight and uh, get you on your way. Uh, I'm Chris Smith. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Phillies Weekly at Verizon.net is our email address. Philliesweekly.blogspot.com is our homepage uh, address. Send us your emails. We've got a lot of cool emails this week. I'd like to thank everyone for checking out the podcast. You know, the subscriptions have been growing. We're up over 100, and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll keep going. They'll keep growing as time goes on. So thank you for checking out Phillies Weekly. Uh, of course, always a big shout-out to Jason Brewer. Jason uh, works for a radio station in New Jersey, in the New Jersey Shore area. G-Rock, 98.5 and 106.3 on your FM dial. If you are ever in the Jersey Shore area, check out that station. It's really cool. Modern rock station, playing a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Jason actually works on uh, a lot of the imaging that we do here for Phillies Weekly, the intros, the IDs, and things you hear like that uh, throughout the show. Jason does those. He does a hell of a job. Uh, so great job to Jason. And if, uh, if you want to get a hold of Jason, Jason does kind of like freelance production and things on the side. If you're looking to get a podcast up and running, Jason Prod, Jason P-R-O-D, at gmail.com is his email address. So shoot him an email. If you're looking to get things up off the ground for yourself, uh, let him know what you think. Also, a couple other emails I wanted to shout out here, too. Uh, a couple other Phillies blogs floating around out there and some people who got a hold of me this week. Um, David uh, Cohen got a hold of me from... Uh, www.thegoodfight.com I'll spell it out for you, spells it a little bit different here but it's uh, www.thegoodfight and fight is P-H-I-G-H-T dot com so David got a hold of me this week and uh, had said he heard the podcast and David thank you for checking out Phillies Weekly also Brian from www.philliesnation.com got a hold of me too and said that he heard the podcast so we'll be getting links up for those blogs on our site very shortly you surf around check out those sites those are really good sites those are really uh, some of those guys really do a good job putting up very up to date news and their thoughts and things like that we portray our thoughts through the podcast here. So those guys do it on, on the internet a little bit more and uh, some really cool sites. Thegoodfight.com and philliesnation.com. Make sure you check those out this week when you're sur- surfing the web. Some really cool informative Philly sites uh, for you to check out on the internet. Uh, getting right into Phillies Weekly this week, uh, some highlights right off the bat here. Last night or yesterday it was announced that Jim Tomey is going to be out for the season. And what a blow this is for the Phils. You know, just when we thought that uh, Tommy was going to come back, we reported last week that he had some trouble in his rehab stint. Uh, he was still experiencing some, experiencing some soreness with that elbow. Uh, he had meant to come up uh, a little while ago and start a rehab stint with uh, the AAA 
Wilkesbury, Wilkesbury, Scranton, uh, Red Barons. That didn't happen. He didn't make it up here. He got about. He got up to Alabama. Went to see it. Went to see a doctor there because he started to experience some more soreness in that shoulder. They sent him back down to Clearwater where he continued. Now this past weekend, uh, Tommy did get a chance to play in some games for the Clearwater Threshers, and uh, he did uh, DH uh, for a couple games, and he hit the ball pretty well. Um, but I think what they had thought was Tommy can hit well. But he can't play. He can't throw the ball. He still. He, they went back. He went back down to Clearwater. He went back to trying to throw the ball, and I guess it just it just wasn't happening happening for him. Um, just some just some quotes here uh, from one of the team doctors. Um, basically, Tommy has chronic inflammation of the muscles and tendons in his elbow, and what they say here is roughly 75 to 95 percent of players who get this. Uh, can be treated without surgery. Unfortunately, Jim Tomey falls in to that lone 25% who will need surgery uh, to make a full recovery, and hopefully he'll be back next year. So he'll, he's gone for the season. Tomey's gone. Um, and like I said, I, I, I also read a, a comment this week here on phillies.com where they thought they might be able to get him uh, back and maybe pinch hit down the stretch for the Phils. But really at this point and with the way Ryan Howard has been performing, we'll touch on him a little bit later on, why risk it? Why bring Jim Tomey up here? And so you get him a pinch hit down the stretch a couple times for the team, and maybe he's productive. But what happens in the offseason? If Tomey still needs a surgery and he chooses to, to have it done in the offseason, he's probably going to miss a large amount of spring training, and then his future for next year it would, of course, be up in the air. So they're electing to go ahead with a surgery now, get it done out of the way. Tomey should be fresh for the 2006 uh, spring training, the start of spring training next season. So we'll keep our fingers crossed with Jim Tomey. And, uh, again, it's been a big blow, especially for the Phils when they need them, especially towards the end of the year. They're being much more consistent this year than they were last year or the year before, things like that. So Tomey definitely an asset that's going to be missed, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him back healthy uh, for next year. He Tomey did struggle a bit this year at the plate. He didn't hit that well. Uh, I think it's like a 207 average or something like that. I don't have the exact numbers on that, but uh, he, he did struggle quite a bit this this year. And then we also we always wonder if that was always part of the elbow or if that was just a big slump. Well, hopefully we're done, we're out of that, and uh, we can move on to 2006. Also, some other news this week coming kind of coming from the from the minor leagues, and we've been following Cole Hamels now for a, a number of weeks here at the podcast. And uh, it was was also reported this week that Cole Hamels is probably going to be finished for this year as well. Remember we talked last week or a couple weeks before about Cole Hamels. He went to see a doctor in Philly, and uh, uh, they had said that he was experiencing some back problems. And they had, had said that if it was just back spasms that Hamels had, he would be able to get back in action, maybe only miss one or two starts. Well, here's the situation. Apparently, it was back spasms, but it goes a little bit further than that. Um, Dr. Robert Watkins, um, who also helped out Jim Tomey and David Bell with their back problems, had seen Cole Hamels this, this week. He was diagnosed with a stress reaction in his back. Uh, well, he, they go on to say that it's less severe than a stress fracture, which does require surgery. Um, so... They initially had treated Hamels with rest and anti-inflammatory drugs and things like that, um, but it, it, it's not going to be enough for for Hamels to make, to make it back this year. And remember, we talked a lot also about the Phillies organization 
uh, really kind of keeping Hamels under their wing and and kind of you know kind of nursing him along. He's a very promising young left-handed pitcher uh, who's pitching who was just promoted this year to Triple A uh, Scranton Wilkesbury. Um, he was doing well, and and the back problems kind of creep up. He's young, so you can't really take any chance with Cole Hamels. And I think Ed Wade was very aggressive this uh, this year to try to get. Cole Hamels up uh, to, the, to the majors here before the end of the year. Well, obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, so Hamels is probably going to be out for the rest of the year, and it's probably a good thing. You know, you never want to push any of these types of injuries, especially with a back or an arm, a shoulder, things like that. You just want to kind of have the player go through it. Uh, the, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no glaring need to have Hamels out there in action right now. It's not going to do anybody any good. So the big thing for Cole Hamels right now is, of course, rehab, getting some rest, and uh, hopefully Cole Hamels will be ready for next year. We'll look for Cole to make a strong recovery to AAA at the beginning of next year. Something else I wanted to touch on here for the first segment of Phillies week, Weekly, and I, I don't want to get into too much of this because I think when we get when we get some more details about it this week and probably go on from there, we'll probably feature this story next week. But it was reported this week that Ed Wade's contract option wasn't picked up by the club. Now, normally you'd think that that would probably be it for Ed Wade, but as I understand it, uh, his contract does run through 07. I, I'm not sure if this was an option year or... This was a year to extend the contract or to renegotiate. But apparently Wade is going to be with the club now through 2007. That's, of course, barring he doesn't get fired or anything like that. So this was kind of a story that was kind of tossed around some blogs this week. And uh, it was actually, um, I think it was kind of brought to my attention from Brian from philliesnation.com. And I was kind of following the situation too, but I didn't realize it was it was getting this severe. Um, so WIP, the, one of the Philly uh, uh, radio outlets uh, in Philadelphia, had reported that uh, Wade would probably be with the club through 2007. Now, again, there's nothing official here. There's nothing from the uh, officially that I've seen from the club itself um, to confirm this rumor. But it looks like another, well, another two full seasons of Ed Wade at the helms. Uh, for the Phillies, and uh, I wanted to talk talk a little bit about Ed Wade because you know his name has come up so much, and I think with a lot of the deals that the Phillies have or have not done, and it's more like the deals that the Phillies haven't done, Ed Wade just kind of gets he 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 gets the slack for all this, and likely so he should. My opinion with Ed Wade. Like many other Philly fans, something desperately needs to change within the Phillies front office staff. Wade's conservative moves to pick up pieces that either weren't needed over the years, like journeyman-type players, Wade's inability to to identify the, the team's true needs as far as players go has got to end. You know, you look over the seven-year history career with Philly that Ed Wade has, and you look at some of the deals, there, there are no blockbuster deals. I'm not saying there should have been, but there aren't deal. There were never deals put into place to truly, truly improve this team. A few small things here and there, but there's nothing that Ed Wade can put on his shoulder and say, "Hey, look, I did this for this club." Nothing positive that is, or, or greatly positive that would have greatly improved the chances of this club being national champions. They're just they're, they're, there's there's nothing there. And if you look over the the trade history over the years, it. Nothing. I mean, I was looking at it this week, and nothing strikes out at me as, as being glaring, as being, wow, that was a really good move that Ed Wade made, really cool stuff. Now, of course, he was 
he he was kind of the 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 base there, the rocket to put to put this this team together that we have now. Back in 2002, when a lot of these players came on board, David Bell, Mike Lieberthal, Jim Tomey was t- signed uh, for a, for a for a long-term contract in 02. So was Pat Burrell, players like that. You know, Wade was at the helm when those things were taking place, of course. But and and you look back to 2002, and a lot of players that came on board, the David Bells and Mike Lieberthals, things like that. You know, nobody knew that these players were going to end up the way they are. We talked a lot about David Bell in the past couple of weeks, also Mike Lieberthal and their roles at the bottom of the at the bottom of the Phillies lineup and how they haven't been producing and they haven't been contributing like I feel or I don't think anybody else feels they should. But you look back at those two players back in 02 and I don't think anybody thought that they were going to end up this way. You know, on paper, this team looked great. Almost like every other Phillies team or even other Philly sports, for that matter, always looks good on paper, but can never come through in the end. So, like again, Wade put this team together that we currently have now. Some of it, yeah, some of the trades over the past few years, as recent as the past couple years, you know, you kind of start shaking your head, and it's kind of like, you know, we talk about so much how Wade kind of really, last couple years, traded away a lot of the farm prospects, a lot of players, I thought, uh, we're going to have a, a shining future with the club. You look at some of those trades in the last couple of years, and you, you just big question marks pop up. This year, uh, m- me and Greg Allen sat here last week. We talked about uh, the signing of John Lieber uh, before the before this current season and Wade's inability to go out there and get a true ace for this club. John Lieber, sure, he had some good years uh, in the past, but John Lieber like we've talked about in the past is not an ace. He's not an ace. He's not, he's not a number one guy you want to have in your rotation with all the, with all the pitchers that were floating around there that were in the open market this past off season. And John Lieber was the best guy you could come down with. Look, I'm sorry, but Ed Wade has really got to kind of do a check here. And I understand there's a lot of situations going on with the salary and the money and things like that. But when you start signing players like a David Bell, like a Jim Tomey, like a Mike Lieberthal, the long-term contracts, which suck up a lot of your salaries, you know, you don't think ahead. You don't think to the future. You know, what if, you know, uh, David, what if Jim Tomey, like he has, goes down with an injury and he's not productive for for a couple years? Who knows what's going to happen with Tomey? He's out right now. Possibly he could, he could come back next year. Sure, he could have a great season. However, I mean, he's been out most of this season, and is he really going to get it back? I don't know. That's just one piece of the puzzle right there. So a lot of things, I think, need to change within the Philly organization. And, yes, I do think it starts with Ed Wade. I, I think we need somebody at the helm who are going to make these types of decisions that are going to be much more ag- aggressive, that are going to go out and get pl- players that the team needs. Not journeyman players, not players that are going to be here for one year and then gone. We need to seriously look into the needs of this team, and we've, we've talked about it so many times on this program. You know, the center field situation is up in the air. Of course, third base catcher, it, it just gets redundant after a while. And you just start wondering, when are these items going to change? We have a lot of good players in position right now to really help this team. You have the Bobby Abreu, you have the Pat Burrell, who's doing a very good job this year. You know, Jimmy Rollins, is he a leadoff guy? Well, I don't know, but Jimmy's con- has contributed quite a bit this year in a positive way. There's no doubt about that. You have Ryan Howard, who's come, who has come up and has done a very good job uh, while Jim Tomey is out. So you have a lot of good pieces here in place. Uh, but, but again, there's, there, there's key positions out there which 
there, there's a big question mark in my mind, and I don't think Ed Wade is ever going to be aggressive enough to go out there and really nail down those key players, those key position fillers that are going to come into this club and really make a true difference. And like I said, there's, there's so many... Like I said, there's so, there's so many reasons that go into this, and of course a salary is a big thing, but Ed Wade's inability to look, look into the long-term future for this club is essentially what's going to kill him. And again, these, these non-aggressive conservative deals also, especially mid-season, do nothing, in my opinion, to help his resume. So, uh, you know, another, another thing I wanted to sh- give out to you here this week was I was kind of surfing around the Internet, and I was at this site before, but there's a website out there, uh, www.fireedway.com. Check that site out. You know, we try to be as positive as we can here on Phillies Weekly, but sometimes I think, you know, if you stir things up a little bit, it, it's a good thing. You know, we're, we're not out there to, you know, to shoot down the club in any way, and that's, that was never my point. I love the Phillies. I love, I love Major League Baseball. And, and my whole point with this show is not to, not to shoot down the efforts of the club or anybody. Uh, my, I think my, what I'm trying to con- convey here is some of the players who may not be contributing and, and players and even personnel who may not be doing what, what, they're, what they need to be doing. But fireedway.com is an interesting website. Um, I, I'm not sure who puts this together, but it's a very informative website that shows that the, the history of Ed Wade with the Phillies. It shows all the transactions. It, uh, there's even a petition on there you can sign to get Ed Wade out of the, out of the GM spot and things like that. Uh, so check it out this week if you get a chance. And it might, you know, if you're an Ed Wade supporter, which I have yet to meet one of them, uh, check it out. It, y- you'll get some good information from the website, uh, fireedwade.com, and uh, you can make your decision from there. You know, how much is Ed Wade really contributing to, to, to this ball club, and how much good is he doing? Uh, of course, within the next couple years, if he's going to be here till 07, that question still remains to be answered. So we'll wait and see. And uh, I'll also have more on this subject. If I hear anything else, uh, I'll go into more detail next week. I'll be checking the, a lot of news wires and sources and things like that to see what I can come up with uh, to see how uh, how strong these rumors are. If he really is going to be here till 07 or if it was just a rumor started by 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 somebody out there. So I'll try to get to the to the bottom of it and hopefully we'll be able to have some more information for you uh, next week. I'm going to take a quick ID break and we'll get into the week of the week in review for the Phils and uh, we'll start with a Milwaukee series series. We'll go back to last week uh, last Friday, which is August 5th. And uh, we'll take you through that game, and we'll bring you up to the Dodgers series. A lot of good things going on for the Phils. They got their bats going this week again out in Los Angeles. Hopefully they can keep that going. I'm Chris Smith. I'll be right back. Baseball. This is Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcast. WBME Broadcasting Beyond Media East, Lancaster, PA. Now your host, Chris Smith. Welcome back to Phillies Weekly, week number six. This, the 10th day of August, 2005. Thank you for joining me. I'm Chris Smith. Well, a week for the Phils. Again, I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit here. Back to the Milwaukee Brewers series last Friday. And what a, what a game it was. I remember we were doing the podcast last Friday. Uh, me and Greg Allen, if you missed the podcast last week, check it out. It's still available a good friend of mine here, Greg Allen, helped me out with the podcast last week. Thought it went pretty well. We'll have him back soon, I think. But last Friday, some error, an error-prone game for the Phils finally cost them the match. 
Uh, first off, uh, final score of that one, 3-1. to one. Brewers came out uh, in extra innings with the win uh, in that game. A bright spot for the Phils, though. Corey Lytle did pitch a well game, a very good game uh, last Friday. Eight innings, five hits, one earned run for Corey. Uh, nine strikeouts, and uh, that is actually Corey's uh, second highest strikeout night. I think uh, his first highest was versus Milwaukee. Uh, back in May, he had 11 strikeouts versus Milwaukee back in May, and um, it was actually his best outing since July 9th when uh, he pitched eight shutout innings against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Lyle gave up a one home run, and he's he's at a 4.58 ERA on the season. We talked a lot about Corey Lytle in the past couple weeks and uh, what what his contributions as uh, what was a fifth starter. Now that the rotation is a little bit shaken up. Um, but his contributions over the last couple weeks have not been very stellar at all. And if you remember some of the stats that we reported to you last week, it was something like a 13-point-something ERA uh, in his last, like, three outings. They were really horrendous, really bad. Uh, he got to, he was struggling with, with his curveball. He was struggling even with a changeup he was trying to throw, I believe. And uh, his plan uh, against some of these batters just weren't working out. Uh, some comments here from Lytle on the game last Friday. Um, usually it's my third best pitch after my sinker and changeup. Uh, it's a pitch I sometimes don't take the right frame of mind. I like to throw it for a strike, but sometimes you need to bounce it. Today I wanted to throw it at right-handed hitters so they'd freeze, and it worked a few times. That, talking about his curveball there. And again, you know, we talked about the last couple weeks how he struggled with that. Lado goes on to say, I put it where I wanted to, threw it in the dirt when I needed to, and surprised those guys a few times. It's a pitch where I've thrown good games without, but when I have it going, it's another pitch I can throw. So right there off the bat, you see Corey Lido kind of trying to maybe force the issue. A couple of his pitches probably weren't very good the last couple outings. His, his location was obviously off. His command was way off. You know, and trying to force some of those pitches that you want to throw over the plate didn't work out for him. He had a little bit of a better plan last Friday, and he, he pitched well. Um, and again, you know, he's one of those guys for the Phils, you know, that you have the starters pitching well. Uh, Lieber seems to be kind of up and down, but he's coming around. Uh, Myers has been solid all year. Tejeda, what can you say about him? Just, hey, effectively wild, you know, as Ch Charlie Manuel will put it. Um, and, of course, Padilla, who has rebounded nicely from the DL earlier this year, he's he's pitching well also. So Corey Lytle is just kind of like that uh, one odd man out right there that really needs to get things going. And, again, with, with this wild card race heating up, I don't know if the Phillies are going to be able to chase down the, the Braves or not, but with this wild card race heating up, it's really important right now that we have all five guys working on the same page, that being all five starting pitchers working on the same page and, and, and giving the, the, the club quality outings and giving them a chance to stay in these games. Uh, ben Sheets last Friday was equally as good. Um, Sheets did no-hit the fills through five and two-thirds. Uh, the first hit came from Jason Michaels, uh, two outs in the sixth inning. Um, Brewers also took an early lead in that game in the second inning from a Jeff Jenkins home run, and Jeff Jenkins has been hot, and you got to watch this guy. He's he's really been uh, hammering teams, pitching, and uh, he got Lyle early there in the second inning. Jeff Jenkins a home run. Uh, Abreu eventually did tie the the game up. Only one one is a low scoring affair. Um, Abreu had a solo home run in the seventh. Um, the bullpen, the Phillies bullpen, after that from like the seventh inning on, uh, really got the job done pretty well. Cormier pitched, uh, Real Cormier pitched a perfect ninth, 
And then Jeff Geary was brought in for the 10th. And, uh, again, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that the bullpen was a little bit uh, – was a little wore down at that point. And Jeff Geary being in the game at that point, that would not obviously have been my first choice uh, to bring a reliever in would be in Jeff Geary. But Geary was in the bottom of the 10th or, or the top of the 10th. And things started to happen, crazy things just – crazy well here's here's what went on uh bill hall started the 10th inning off with a single damian miller would follow with a double um geary's location was just off uh i think miller was watching part of the game here while we were trying to do the podcast last week and uh it was it was, a, it was something up high I, I don't know if it was a fastball or something got away from geary and and damian miller hit a double so this is when things kind of start to get out of hand, and you see the air starting to play in here. Uh, on that double, was the double was to right right field. Abreu kind of bobbled the ball. Um, he threw to Utley, who also kind of bobbled the ball as well. While all this is going on, Bill Hall is on his way to home plate. Remember, he was he was at first base. Uh, Bill Hall is on his way to home plate. Uh, Utley finally recovers the ball, throws wildly to home, uh, into the stands. Remember Damian Miller on second base with a double. I mean, there, there's no point in throwing the ball around, uh, trying to get Bill Hall, let him go. Uh, he's going to score. But to make a long story short, Utley throw, wildly throws to home and, and attempts to, 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 to get Bill Hall. The ball goes into the stands. Damian Miller granted two bases on the wild throw. He actually goes home. So technically, maybe an inside-the-park home run, but it was on uh, a, a few errors there. So that would prove to be the game's winning two runs right there. Of course, the, uh, the, the, the the Brewers did go down then. Geary did eventually get out of the inning. But the bottom, bottom of the 10th, uh, situation here for the Phils where they have a chance to maybe come and at least tie this ball game down 3-1. to one. Uh, Lieberthal and Tomas Perez both single with no outs. So you have runners on first and second. There's nobody out. Jimmy Rollins strikes out. Michaels and Utley fly out to end the ball game. And, again, when you're getting late into this season uh, – you you, have, you get in late game situations. You know the team really needs to put it together and capitalize on that. There you have runners on first and second. There's nobody out. Yeah, you're down by two runs. It is an extra innings, but you got to try to make something happen. And you got the top of the order. Uh, again, this is as the week goes on, we'll see how this these late inning games or these uh, runners in scoring position again, kind of up and down for the Phils. This inconsistency thing. You know, kind of on a on a roller coaster ride again, like I I like to put it. And Rollins strikes out, Michaels and Utley will fly out to end that game on, on Friday. So, I, again, Phil's had a chance there in the bottom of the 10th. Couldn't capitalize. Brewers come away with a 3-1 to one victory. Move on to Saturday, August 6th. Uh, much better day for the Phil's. John Lieber got the call for the Phil's. Phil's do win this one 8-2 over the Brew Crew. Uh, John Lieber, another great uh, great outing for John. Uh, he's he's really only had one bad inning in his last four starts. That was verse, that was against Colorado, I remember, a couple Sundays ago. Hit a big, what, like uh, eight or nine inning, fifth inning or something like that, that he gave up a, 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 all those runs. But only one bad inning in his last four starts. Uh, he's only given up one earned run in his prior two starts before that blowout in Colorado. Uh, so, and again, it, John, John Lieber only has one win to show for his good pitching. So, this here was a situation, I think, where Lieber got, uh, you know, he got down nitty-gritty. He threw well. He had a good slider going on. Uh, seven innings pitched for John. He gave up seven hits, two earned runs, just one walk. It's a little bit more like the, the John Lieber that we're used to, just one walk. Uh, seven strikeouts. He did give up a home run. John with a, a 5.00 ERA. 
So John Lieber appears to have his slider under control. I think Todd Pratt said he's not hanging his slider like he was earlier in the year. Um, his location is much better. He's 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 letting these these hitters get in, get themselves out and and throwing throwing that good slider uh, in a mix with that with that fastball. So he he's doing a good job right now as John Lieber, and he's again he's kind of on a hot streak. So it, minus that that kind of crazy outing in Colorado, he's had some good starts here. He seems to be back on key here to help the Phils as we get closer to the postseason. Um, again, the Phil's bullpen, we talk about them a lot. Aaron Fultz did a good job on Saturday. He pitched a perfect eighth and ninth. By then, the game was kind of out of hand, uh, so Aaron Fultz was able to come in and close the game. Uh, Todd Pratt and Jimmy Rollins, both with solo home runs. Pratt was actually two for four, and uh, we talked about Todd Pratt a couple weeks ago. Well, man, what a contributor he's been off the bench has, been, has Todd Pratt been. Todd Pratt, since the All-Star break, a, three, uh, a .333 average, .333 average, three home runs and four RBIs. Uh, so, again, you know, Todd Pratt, a key, a key player off the bench, especially in that catcher's role, you might see a little bit more of him. At least I hope you do. I, I know he's getting up there in age, but with Lieberthal and the problems with his knees and, and he's struggling at the plate, hey, if Todd Pratt's going to get up there and hit the ball, he's going to hit some home runs for you like, like we all know he can. Why not play him a, a couple extra games? And I think we've seen, I think Charlie Manuel has, has kind of given Todd Pratt some unscheduled starts uh, here in the past couple weeks. And uh, it is, it's been a good thing to see because I think Todd Pratt's a very key player to have off this bench filling in at, at the catcher slot. Uh, Phil has also left 13 on base on Saturday, so it could have been a real big blowout. Uh, but it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, the Brewers get away. Uh, again, 8-2 was your final there. Phil's come out on top on, on Saturday. Move on to Sunday. And, again, these, these starting pitching performances are really good the Phil's are having. Vicente Badia gets the call on Sunday. And, again, he pitched pretty well also. Uh, seven innings pitched for Vicente, four hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts and a walk for Vicente. Uh, he also did hit Brady Clark with a pitch, and I think Brady would end up scoring on that. It was kind of strange. Vicente looked very good in the first couple innings. Then he uncorks a wild pitch, which hits Brady Clark, uh, I think, in the third. And it was kind of kind of odd. And that's that's where the two earned runs came from in the third inning. Uh, but again, if you watch Padilla on Sunday, he pitched very well. Had a good uh, had that good fastball going. That fastball with really a lot of movement for him in the past couple outings he's had. And he looked he looked like he had his his control back again. His velocity has always been up, so he had a good fastball going. It was it was moving in there. 90, 90 plus miles an hour, and it was moving. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't move, It wasn't going in there straight. It was moving in and away towards some of these hitters, and uh, he looked good. Again, that strange thing where he just kind of uncorks a, a wild pitch to Brady Clark in the third inning, that will come back to haunt him. In the third, Chad Moeller uh, doubled with one out. Brady Clark was then hit by that pitch. Ricky Weeks, uh, really good young rookie for Milwaukee. I think he's second baseman there this year. Ricky Weeks would come up then. He would double off the left center field wall, and that would score both runs. Burl kind of misplayed the ball a little bit there in, in left field. Maybe that attributed to the second run coming home. They would have definitely gotten one, um, but it wasn't to be. And those are only the those are the only two runs scored in this game. Phils did have a lot of chances again. Uh, three leadoff base runners for the Phils in that game. Um, that also that included uh, leadoff doubles by Pat Burrell and uh, Dave Bell, and couldn't capitalize on those. And again, you know, I'll go back to it again. This roller coaster of runners in scoring position thing, and especially getting late in the season here, you got two guys that are going to lead off two different innings with doubles, nobody out, and uh, you got to we really got to capitalize on those types of things. Against, especially against teams like the Brewers, which definitely aren't this, one of the 
one of the one of the strongest teams in the NL. Um, when you get these types of chances uh, against these kind of subpar teams, it, it's very important that small things, little things like leadoff base runners, are able to be cashed in, especially if they're if it's going to be in close games. Those leadoff base runners, especially if they're extra base hits, really need to be brought around. Toma Oka did, got the starting nod for the Brewers on Sunday, and he pitched very well also. Uh, Oka, kind of a Philly killer himself, eight innings pitched on Sunday, gave up four hits, nine strikeouts, uh, 3.79 ERA. Um, Oka's got a 2.30 ERA versus Philly in 11 starts, and I think he came over, if I'm not mistaken, I think he we came over from Montreal last year. Uh, he was involved in the transaction that, which brought him over to Milwaukee. Uh, so he's been somewhat of a Philly killer, and he got to the Phillies again on Sunday, shutting them out in uh, eight innings. Uh, again, your final there on Sunday, last Sunday, uh, was 2 nothing Brewers. The Phillies had Monday off uh, to travel out on a very key, to start a very key West Coast trip against the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Uh, so the Monday was off. Tuesday night, uh, we'll start things right up. And this is where that roller coaster uh, with runners on base and two outs and, and scoring runs, this is where that roller coaster starts to, starts to kind of go uphill a little bit. And, and things start working out in the Phil's favor. Monday night, uh, kind of a, kind of a concern that I think everyone had um, was the pitching matchup, and uh, it was Brad Penny, which the Phil's did. The Phil's ha have had some success against uh, Penny uh, so far this year. Uh, but Robinson Tejeda, uh, who's been kind of again effectively wild this year, and 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 he, no one is sure when he's going to go out there and get hit really hard. And I, I think I thought this might be. This might be the inning where he just gets gets blown up, but it wasn't to be. So Robinson Tejeda gets the starting nod for the Phils on Monday night. Uh, Tejeda, a quick line on him, five innings pitched in the game, five hits, two earned runs, uh, four walks, which did hurt him a bit, uh, eight strikeouts, though. So you're walking four guys, you're striking out eight. I mean, again, it's, it's one of those things I think where – the, I think some of these players from opposing teams get up there, and they, they don't know what they're going to see from Robinson Tejeda. And one of the highlights there was uh, Jeff Kent striking out for three or four times in that game. And Jeff Kent's a very strong weapon the Dodgers have. I think he leads the league in, in average with runners in scoring position. So uh, Robinson Tejeda, good job. Uh, any way to get it done, you know. I, I'd say let let the kid go. If he's going to be wild, he's going to walk some, but then he's going to he's going to strike and strike out the side to get out of the inning. Hey, let him go. If he wants to get himself in jams and then work himself out of it, by all means, let him go ahead. I guess any way he gets the job done. He is still just two and two, so he's been he's been pitching about an average of like five six innings in his outings, and he's beginning to the point where I think Charlie Emanuel's been pulling him somewhat quick. The bullpen's been pitching well, so. You know, Tejeda's going to get you halfway through the game and then have the bullpen take it home. But Tejeda only allowed, has only allowed more than two runs just once in his last ten outings. And he, the, the, the outing he kind of got blown up a little bit in was uh, d versus Washington back on July 8th. Uh, he gave up five earned runs. And again, he, he has yet to really, to really get into a game where he's really kind of gotten blown out of the water. So hopefully we're all hoping that doesn't happen uh, yet this year because, again, he's, he's, he's a key filling in, for, uh, filling in for Randy Wolf, who's out for the year. So hopefully Robinson Tejeda can keep this going. So Tejeda pitches very, very well on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Phils take this game eight to four, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a gimme for the Phils. Pat Burrow a great night. Uh, Pat had four RBIs. Uh, he was three for five, including a home run on Tuesday, and uh, 
uh, some of those runs kind of came late. And uh, we talked about the two out magic here for the Phils. Again, this roller coaster starts going uphill. Um, the Phils first got the got the Brad Penny. Penny's still in the game in the sixth inning. Uh, Kenny Lofton singles in the sixth with one out. Steals second. Bobby Abreu then with two outs, singles Lofton home. So they get the Penny in the sixth inning. It's not to the sixth, but uh, the Phillies are finally on the board there. Uh, a, a run scored, a manufactured run with two outs. It was definitely a good sign of things uh, to come. Move on to the top of the eighth, and this is where the real damage is done. Uh, Steve Schmoll was in the game, a reliever for the Dodgers. Penny's night is finished. Uh, Lofton walks with one out. Utley singles, Lofton the second. Abreu strikes out. There's there's two outs at this point. Burl comes up, hits the home run. Three-run home run. Uh, Ryan Howard then comes up, goes back-to-back. -back. Another home run. So back-to-back -back home runs right there. All this done with, uh, with two outs. And to end the inning, David Bell then walks. Lieberthal doubles to score Bell, and then Tomas Perez would strike out then to end the inning. So again, all that, all of those, all of those runs right there coming with two outs, and uh, definitely what the Phils need to be doing right there, scoring those runners in there with two outs, and you get an opportunity to take the lead and, and get some runners home, and and they do it. They do it against the Dodgers, uh, like we talked about earlier. They couldn't do it against Milwaukee. Um, the bullpen then would would uh, of course come in. And, and take the, take the game home for the Phils. Another great outing for the bullpen. Aaron Fultz, uh, a great inning in the sixth inning. He came in for the sixth. Uh, just a two-walk, no-hit sixth inning for, for, Ryan, for Aaron Fultz. Ryan Madsen, a, a perfect seventh. He would get the win. Uh, Ugie Urbina did give up a two-run home run to Ricky Lede. Uh, Ugie was in for the eighth inning. Uh, and, of course, Billy Wagner would come in for the, uh, for the save. Uh, or not, it wasn't a save situation, but Billy Wagner would come in to, to round the game out in the ninth inning. Uh, Wagner just gave up uh, a walk, and, and he also had a strikeout there. So a good job to Billy Wagner. Uh, also, top of the ninth to get some insurance here for the Phils, uh, Dodgers reliever Jonathan Broxton is in. Uh, again, and more two-out scoring here. Jimmy Rollins would end up getting on base here on, in, the, uh, in the ninth inning and ends up Working his way to second after Kenny Lofton grounded it, grounded out, Rollins was able to move over to second. Steals third. An aggressive base running by Jimmy Rollins. Man, do I like to see this, especially towards the end of the year uh, when you're getting close to the playoff pitcher. Rollins steals third. That's very key because Chase Utley's at bat. Well, the next couple pitches, uh, Jonathan Broxton, this reliever, throws throws a wild pitch. He gets past, gets past the catcher. Rollins comes home. Utley would then double. Burl singles. Utley scores. So, again, more two-out production there for some insurance runs there in the top of the ninth inning, some very key insurance runs. Made the job for Billy Wagner in the bottom of the ninth a lot easier. So, great two-out run production there for the Phils. Uh, Tuesday night is over. Again, the Phils pull off uh, pull off a good win right there uh, out in L.A. and gets, gets the series going uh, in their favor. The final score there, of course, was 8-4, to four, Phils. Move on to, uh, to last night, which was Wednesday night. Uh, again, uh, some, some, some great hitting by the Phils. They really got the bats going here. Brett Myers got the starting nod there for the Phils on, on Wednesday night. Uh, Myers didn't pitch very good. Uh, and I can not I can say the same for Derek Lowe, who started for the Dodgers. Uh, both these pitchers really struggled with control. You saw Brett Myers really elevating a lot of fastballs, and that would really hurt him. Uh, he elevated one to Jeff Kent. Uh, Kent took him yard with two on. 
uh, to, to put the, the Dodgers on the board. He also elevated one a little bit later on to, um, to Milton Bradley. I think that may have been a two-run shot. Uh, Milton Bradley homers, a uh, two-run home run there. Uh, so Brett Myers didn't really have his control down, uh, didn't look that great. His, his curveball looked good. He got a couple strikeouts on his curveball. But the thing I like about this game as it sets up is Charlie Manuel could have easily pulled Myers maybe the fifth or fifth inning or so. Uh, but he doesn't. You know, Myers may be struggling a little bit with his command and, and things like that. Manuel lets him in there up until the seventh inning. So Brett Myers goes seven innings strong, uh, four hits, five earned runs, five walks, eight strikeouts, two home runs. Uh, but the thing I like about this, and I think this might be a, a turning point in Brett Myers' career, is maybe a year ago, if Brett Myers was in this situation where he gave up two home runs already, there were multiple multiple RBI home runs already in the game, Brett Myers a year ago was already down on himself, he's already getting upset, he's already starting to throw more wild, and he's starting to miss miss his location even more. A year ago. This year, though... I think you're seeing a lot better attitude, a lot more focus by Brett Myers, where he gets in these situations where, yeah, he struggles a little bit maybe with command and he doesn't hit his spots like he wants to. But Charlie Manuel is going to leave him in this game until the seventh inning. Brett Myers eventually makes a big turnaround, retires the last eight batters, that last eight Dodgers batters that he faces. So, again, this this says a lot uh, for Manuel's, I would say, trust in Brett Myers that he that, that maybe at this point in Brett's career, he's only 24, he can get into games and he can struggle early on and he can he can overcome that. Where, again, like, like as we know, a year ago from now, that wouldn't have happened. Brett would have been out of the game in the fourth or fifth inning. We all, know, we all know the frustrations that he goes through and how it affects his mental game. But I think that, again, I think this says a lot for Brett Myers, and I think this, this was a big game for Brett because he came over, overcame a lot of early struggles, and the last two innings were very stellar for Brett. He did a great job. Last three innings, for that matter. Uh, he did a great job uh, and, 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 and finally got out of the game. Uh, Derek Lowe, I, again, like I mentioned, he didn't look good at all. His sinker was not where it should have been. It was elevated. Bobby Abreu took him yard in the, in the first inning. It was a two-run home run, and the scoring just continued. It was kind of a seesaw battle uh, through the first five innings, and then things slowed down. But Derek Lowe didn't look that great either, and Derek Lowe kind of hurt the Phillies, uh, I should say, not, not even last last outing. He had a great outing against the Phillies, but even overall this year and, and career-wise, uh, you remember the last outing that Derek Lowe had was at Citizens Bank Park. Seven innings pitched uh, for Derek Lowe, and I don't think he gave up any any earned runs. Uh, so Derek Lowe was definitely concerned coming into this series, but the, the Phils got the bats on the on the pitches. Uh, Derek Lowe maybe struggling a little bit, and uh, he gave up some early an early home run to Bobby Abreu, and, and things would continue from there. Uh, there, there was so, uh, some sloppy play there by the Dodgers, and that would that would serve costly. Uh, going to the fifth inning, uh, where the scoring kind of stopped for a little bit. Well, uh, Kenny Lofton grounds to Jeff Kent. Uh, Jeff Kent uh, couldn't handle the ball, kind of gobbles him up. Well, eventually Abreu would single Lofton to third, uh, and then Burrow would would double, uh, and, and Lofton would score. Ryan Howard then would ground out to to the right uh, to to Jeff Kent, and Abreu would score. And um, again, you know, costly error there for Jeff Kent. If he, if he makes that uh, if he makes that play and gets Lofton out, the Phils don't score the, the, as many of those runs there in the fifth inning. So, uh, walks would also play a key role. 
uh, in this game. Uh, again, like we mentioned, the command for both starting pitchers were all, was off. Uh, Derek Lowe had walked Utley in the first, and then Abreu had come up and hit that home run, two-run home run there in the first inning. Um, going to the bottom half of the first inning, Myers had walked uh, Milton Bradley and Oscar Robles, uh, and then Kent, Kent, uh, Jeff Kent would come in and hit that big three-run home run uh, in the bottom of the first, and, and the Dodgers would take the lead then. So the walks and some of the wild pitching kind of kind of, kind of gave us a seesaw battle there on Wednesday, uh, a lot of scoring there. Uh, the Phils would eventually come out on top and then come out on top in a big way. Uh, we'll move to the ninth inning, and I'll tell you what, if you missed it, well, here's here's how it went down. And a high fly ball into deep right center. He's hit another halfway up into the bleachers. A grand slam home run. And all of a sudden, the Phillies have a commanding 9-5 lead on Ryan Howard's grand slam. Boy, when he gets his pitch, he absolutely crushes it. Well, there you have it, Vin Scully with the call. And it was Ryan Howard in the ninth inning, the top of the ninth inning, versus Yancy Brazaban, the uh, the Dodgers' closer right now, with Gagne being out for the year. And Ryan Howard comes up with a huge grand slam and uh, ends the game, well, pretty much right there. The Dodgers really didn't have a whole lot of whole lot of hope after that one. Uh, the final there was 9-5. to five. The ninth inning kind of set up again. We talked about... Uh, we talked about kind of some of the wild pitching in this game and some of the walks. While the ninth inning starts out, Utley is hit by a pitch. He then steals second. Abreu is intentionally walked. Burrow is walked to load the bases. And, of course, Ryan Howard with a big grand slam there in the top of the ninth. Uh, what can you say? Ryan Howard, uh, he's going to see a lot more playing time with Jim Tomey being out. He's done a good job this season. We talked about Ryan Howard quite a bit in the past and uh, some of his stats and some of his accomplishments. He's been striking out a lot. But, again, I think for a young player, and he is a power hitter, he's going to be a power hitter wherever he ends up, whether he stays in Philly or wherever. He's going to be your classic power hitter. He's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to hit a ton of home runs. And hopefully uh, these home runs continue on in key situations in some of these games. Because Ryan Howard, as we know, uh, a month ago at Citizens Bank Park, uh, Ryan Howard hit a walk-off home run against Brazabon uh, to win the game. Uh, it was again. It was like a month ago. So Ryan Howard getting the job done in key situations, and uh, again striking out a lot. But it's I, I think it's to be expected until Ryan Howard kind of makes his rounds uh, amongst uh, the other some of the other National League teams and things like that, and sees a lot more pitches. Uh, this is th this is how it's going to be. Uh, so I think Ryan Howard definitely has a has a promising future here with Phil with with the, with the Phillies, and I, you know, I I hope with the with the absence of Jim Tomey. You, one can only hope that Ryan Howard is learning as much as he can, and uh, I, I hope that he would uh, he would continue to be a big asset for the Phils in years to come. So definitely, uh, if Howard continues this this way, uh, and he, again he's hitting pretty well, um, it'll definitely kind of bring up some some red flags at the beginning of, of next year. And, and what do you do? What do, what do you do with Ryan Howard? Is is the big question that the Phils seem to be faced with right now? Do you wait till Jim Tomey comes back and he's healthy? Do you deal Jim Tomey off? Uh, I, I don't know. Right now, it's 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 a little too early to tell. We'll have to wait till Ryan Howard gets a little bit more settled in and uh, see how he does. Phil's bullpen also another great uh, outing for the Phil's bullpen there on Wednesday night. Uh, Ugi Urbina would again would get the win 
uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Ugi pitched a perfect eighth inning, uh, no hits, one strikeout, one walk. Uh, and then Madsen would pitch a one-hit ninth inning. So the Phil's bullpen doing a great job. They are actually 8-2 and two in a 2.25 ERA over the past 30 games. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that this may have been one of the I don't know if I'd say best. Well, maybe it is one of the best bullpens in the NL, or if not the best, one of the one of the most underrated uh, bullpens. Uh, they're really starting to get the job done, and I think in years past it was always a big question mark hanging over the hanging over the bullpen's head is is how how is this bullpen going to really play into this club? You know, you go out and get all these all these players, you invest all this all this money into so many new players a couple years ago but the bullpen was never really tied down like it is right now it was never we, we never had the talents in the bullpen like we have this year you know especially i think with Ugi or bina coming over that really kind of throws a wrench in the whole billy wagner situation uh so we'll see hopefully this bullpen can figure out a way or hopefully ed wade can figure out a way to keep this bullpen together I mean, in my opinion, once you get to the eighth inning, eighth and ninth, uh, they're pretty much sewed up. Uh, in my opinion, if the team can't score uh, any runs before the eighth inning, the game is probably over. Between Ryan Madsen and Ugi Urbina uh, being kind of the two setup guys there in, in the bullpen right now, uh, of course, Billy Wagner being lights out as a closer. Again, once you get to the eighth inning, if if the Phils have the lead, I, I think uh, it's pretty safe. It's pretty safe to say that the game is 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 is, is over. Uh, so hopefully the bullpen stats uh, will continue. They, they have been stellar as of late. Uh, so a good job to the Phillies bullpen. Also another stat uh, for that series, and the series is only two games in. we got one more, ser- one more game to go in the series. Uh, nine of the 17 Phillies runs have come with two outs in that series. Once again, that roller coaster is going uphill right now, and hopefully it stays uphill. Uh, I, you know, especially getting into we're going to go to San Diego here in a couple days and uh, – uh, hopefully those uh, those runners uh, or those runners in scoring position with two outs, getting them getting them to home plate. Uh, hopefully that can continue. So uh, some good hitting for the Phils, some great uh, bullpen pitching for the Phils, and they take the first two games of the Los Angeles Dodgers series. Uh, of course, again this being Thursday night, uh, August eleventh uh, uh, tonight is Odalis Perez. I think John Lieber uh, or Corey Lytle actually gets the nod uh, for the Phils tonight. So uh, Dallas Perez and uh, Corey Lytle. Corey Lytle coming off a, a good outing against uh, Milwaukee last Friday, and hopefully he can get the job done uh, here tonight. We're going to take a quick ID break. We'll be back with a quick Phillies preview uh, for this coming week. We'll look a little bit into the San Diego the, uh, Padres series that's uh, coming up for this weekend. And uh, the Phils are also going to go back home, one of the one of the last few homestands of the season, they'll face the Washington Nationals and the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll give you a rundown of those two teams and what players look out for. I'll be right back. You're listening to Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcasts on WBME Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now your host, Chris Smith. Welcome back to Phillies Weekly. Philliesweekly at verizon.net is our email address. Philliesweekly.blogspot.com, of course, our homepage. I'm Chris Smith. Thanks for joining me. Week number six of Phillies Weekly. This 10th day of, or the 11th day of August 2005. Uh, it's going quick, isn't it? Hey, the Phils return home next week, and uh, one of their 
one of the last homestands of the season. A few more after this, but the, the large majority of games are going to be played on the road here for the Phils uh, as we get closer to the uh, to the playoff picture. And the Washington Nationals will come into town next week along with the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, a very key series as all these se uh, all these games are going to be from here on out. Uh, of course, the, the Nationals have been on a skid lately, uh, but uh, they're still they're still very much in this playoff picture, especially with the wild card and even the NL East. Uh, the Phil is in third place right now behind the Nationals and behind the the, the Atlanta Braves. And so this uh, this Washington series coming up next week at Citizens Bank Ballpark uh, is going to be very key. It's, be, it's, it's a four-game set, and if there's ever a chance for the Phils uh, to, uh, to gain some ground, on uh, one of their uh, maybe their maybe arch rivals. I don't know. I don't know how the the Washington Nationals will will shape up over the years against the Phils. It would be a cool rivalry rivalry to watch, uh, but we'll have to see. But if there's any if there's if there's any good time to to gain some ground on a team, it's going to be right now. Uh, so the Washington Nationals will come in for a four game set next week, starting on Monday. Uh, before that, though, to finish out this week, the Phils still have some business to get to uh, over at San Diego, and they'll head out to Petco Park after this uh, Dodger series, which ends uh, tonight. Uh, kind of a quick update here on some pitching probables for you. I don't really have uh, all the pitching uh, probables set down for you. There are some on the website, but those have changed already. Uh, I do know this. August 12th, tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, the Phils start the first game of a three-game set against San Diego. It'll be John Lieber and Jake Peavy, and uh, Jake Peavy has pitched very well as of late. Um, he only tra Peavy only trails uh, Pedro Martinez uh, by uh, two strikeouts, 167 to 165 in the strikeout race. So Jake Peavy, I wasn't quite aware uh, that 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 PV had that many strikeouts, but uh, he he is definitely pitching well this year. He did get hit by a by a line drive or a fly ball, I think, a couple weeks ago, and uh, his his I think his his middle finger on his throwing hand was of some concern for the San Diego Padres, but he's overcome that. In PV's last outing, uh, he shut out the Washington Nationals. This is back on August seventh. Five hits, five hitter. Uh, for Jake Peavy, and this was all after that uh, questionable middle finger that he had. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see uh, how Peavy treats the Phils here uh, at Peco Park. Of course, the Phils have not faced Peavy yet this year, uh, so we'll see what if uh, if Peavy can get his strikeouts going against the Phils. Um, and of course, that those games, uh, the San Diego series, then will wrap up on Sunday. Um, don't I'm not going to give you any probables here because they're probably going to be changing day by day. Uh, the probables on Friday was supposed to be Lieber and Pedro Estacio, um, who who the I believe I believe San Diego had uh, just obtained uh, Estacio from from Texas, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Chanho Park was also supposed to pitch in this series, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's still going to happen or not. So we'll keep our eyes on the pitching matchups there out in San Diego. Whoever the pitchers may be, again, San Diego, kind of one of those teams that was struggling a few weeks ago, and they've kind of evened out here in the past couple of days. So there's still a there's still a team where the Phils can really come out on top, and uh, we saw that just a few weeks ago. They had a great series. They swept they swept the Padres at Citizens Bank Park just a few a few weeks ago. So it's definitely one of those kind of those NL West teams aren't very strong this year. The Phils have another chance to really gain some ground on the wild card race. Uh, we'll move on now to the uh, to this Washington series, and it's going to be so key. Again, a four-game set with the Nationals starting on Monday. Um, just some quick stats here uh, for the for the Nationals. And this year, in the 2005 series, Nationals are hitting 280 against the Phils, 
and uh, the the pitching kind of shapes up like this. They're at a 3.78, and they are four and five. Four wins, five losses against the Phils in 2005. Some national players look out for who have kind of hurt the Phils a little bit uh, this year. Brad Wilkerson, uh, 462 average against the Fightins, uh, 39 at bats, 18 hits, seven RBIs, and two home runs. And uh, Brad Wilkerson's been a been a great asset to the uh, to the Nationals this year. So is Jose Vidro. He's done well too. Uh, 333 average against the Phils this year for Jose Vidro. 39 at bats, 13 hits, three RBIs, and a home run uh, for Vidro, and that all coming this year uh, against the Phils. So the Nationals again a, a very key series, and and hopefully uh, the Phils will be able to keep things going and uh, and overcome the Nationals at least uh, at least take the series at least take three out of four. Uh, hopefully not a split there. And speaking of splits, while well, the Phils split the Pirates uh, out of PNC Park uh, a, a couple months ago, there was a four-game set out there. The Phils took two, Pirates took two. And again, one of those teams that, uh, you know, kind of at the at the bottom of the barrel there was in, the, in the NL Central, and they're going to come into Citizens Bank Park, and the Phils have a good opportunity to really do some damage on those on those buckos. Uh, so the the Pirates this year only hitting 202 against the Phils. Their pitching is at a 4.00 ERA. They are two and two, two wins, two losses. The pitching staff against the Phillies. So the Pirates definitely a team that the Phillies I think can overcome and uh, take a take a uh, take a couple games from. Uh, also that that lefty, the the young lefty from from Pittsburgh, Zach Duke. I'm not sure uh, if he's going to uh, be in the rotation or not. I haven't been able to to compute that yet. Uh, but Zach Duke is off to a great start. He hasn't lost a game yet. Uh, so hopefully, and he, uh, again, we saw him, we kind of reviewed that game where he pitched in uh, a couple months ago against the Phils, and he really pitched well. They eventually did win that game that the Pirates did. Uh, so Zach Duke, one of those pitchers to keep an eye on. If he if he comes up in the rotation against the Phils here, he may be very difficult to beat. Uh, just one more note here before I get out of here, uh, some transactions this week. Uh, the films, the Phils did claim Aquino Lopez off waivers uh, from Colorado. I believe he's a right-handed reliever uh, this year. That's kind of the role he's played in the last couple seasons. He spent the last two years, 2003 and 2004, with Toronto. Um, his lifetime numbers are he's two wins, four losses, and 91 games. He does have 14 saves out of 16 opportunities. Uh, and those are all coming with Toronto. So apparently he's been used in, in some sort of closer role or temporary closer role so he can get the job done. 3.92 lifetime ERA. Uh, but again, he spent uh, the 2003-2004 seasons with Toronto. He came over to Colorado um, this year. And uh, Colorado had, uh, I guess, had probably designated him for assignment or had tried to move him down to the minor leagues. And uh, the Phils claimed him off the waiver wire. Colorado. So Aquino Lopez was uh, sent down then uh, to Triple A Scranton Wilkesbury, and uh, we'll keep our eye on him. He seems to have some pretty good numbers here. I really have, can't say I've ever seen him pitch, so I, I really don't know what kind of stuff he really has. But uh, in 91 games, uh, he not he's put up some pretty good numbers. So there's a pitcher to keep a, keep an eye on there in case the Phil's run into some injury problems here towards the end of the year. That's going to just about do it for me. Thank you for joining me this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a wrap-up here on the San Diego Padres series. We'll also wrap up the National Series, which is going to be key at, coming up here at Citizens Bank Park. And we'll also touch on that Pirates series. Thanks for joining me. I'm Chris Smith. 
We'll take a quick uh, week in review here, an audio week in review, and kind of a collage of Philly's highlights I put together. Enjoy them. Take care. See you next week. Sweet's benefit of Y gap. Deep to left center field. Todd Pratt has left the ballpark. Long home run to left center field. A tank is homered at back to back start. Phillies lead it two to one. Home run number 19 served up by Capuano. Deep to left field. Bills are going back to back. Jimmy Rollins, a long home run into the seats in left field for J-Roll number nine. And the Bills have a three to one lead here in the fourth inning. Not back to back, back to out the back. Curveball and a high fly ball to left field. Back goes Valentine to the box seats. It's gone. Pat Burrell hits a breaking ball, either a slider without much slide or a hanging curve. And just like that, the Phillies have turned it around. And the great seven innings turned in by... Yeah, I figured. A towering drive in the right center. That is way halfway up the bleachers. You knew that was coming. I mean, if I can figure it out, anybody can. And it's 5-2 Philadelphia. So back-to-back home runs by Burl and Howard. 1-0. The next pitch is swung on and whacked into the gap in left center field. And that one's a lot of carry and it's gone. So I'll tell you he's great 0-1-1. Bobby Abreu, it's his 21st home run of the year. He now has 71 RBIs. And the Phillies, with the home run, have taken a 2-0 lead. Ground ball to Kent Wright, knocks it down, but that's all. It took a lot to get there. And that's whacked to right, and it's going to fall for a base hit. Lofton easily moving to third. And that's lined to left. Going back is Valentin his head against the wall. Lofton will score. Abreu stops at third. A blistering double by Burrow. Ground ball to Kent. A run will score. And it's 5-3 Philadelphia. And a high fly ball into deep right center. He's hit another. Halfway up into the bleachers. A grand slam home run. And all of a sudden, the Phillies have a commanding 9-5 lead on Ryan Howard's grand slam. Boy, when he gets his pitch, he absolutely crushes it. Into the arms of America. You've been listening to Phillies Weekly on WBME Broadcasting Lancaster, PA. Join us next week as your host, Chris Smith, recaps the weekly highlights, player news, and minor league scouting reports for the Philadelphia Phillies Major League Baseball Club. Be sure to join us online at philliesweekly.blogspot.com and make sure to send us your emails to philliesweekly at verizon.net. Whoa!